Um, we mentioned uh, kids camp, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to piggyback off of this. It's not what I'm preaching about, but I feel like I need to say this uh, this morning. Um, we mentioned kids camp a little bit earlier, and uh, kids, uh, teenagers and kids, okay, especially our children. If you're a parent who's wondering if you should send your kids to kids camp, I want you to know the more you expose your children to Jesus, the less they're going to be exposed and know the other stuff that's going on in the world. Right, so if you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I should or not, no, you should. Okay, you should send your kids to camp. I know that they're little, okay, I had littles too. I know that they're, you know, in places where they're like, they're gonna miss mom. It's, you know what I found out growing up with, you know, having two boys of my own? It's actually the parents that hold the kids back more than the kids hold themselves back. Because the parents are like, I don't know, really? They're, you're gonna miss them more than they're gonna miss you. I promise you that, okay, all right? And so what we have to do is just say, you know what, God, you got my children, you got my kids, but send your kids to kids camp. Here's why. I'm personally fed up on the attack on children. Now, if you're easily offended by things, you can just tune me out for a little bit, okay? I love you with all my heart, but this has to be something that's said from this podium and from this pulpit because it's extremely important that we understand that Jesus really does love the little children. And what's happening is, is that the enemy is trying to come and rob and steal, kill, and destroy the identity of our children because the children are the next generation future. And if they, we don't save them now, guess what? We don't have a future. So let me make this extremely clear from right here, from right now. No, they should not choose their gender. Listen, I know, I know, I know what I'm saying is pretty, pretty like, oh my gosh, you hate people. Stop that. I don't hate anybody. But there has to be a standard and someone's got to stand up to it. Right? And I'm not saying that we're the only ones, but I, I guarantee you that we're going to be some of the ones. Parents, stop allowing your children to choose their gender. Because they want to be a dinosaurs one day, and the next day they want to be doctors, and the next day they want to be something that they're not. You are there to guide. I am there as a parent to guide my children, to direct them, to lead them to Jesus. So take on the role and be responsible with your kids. Amen? Amen. This idea is absolutely wrong and satanic. Our country is celebrating the exposure to this kind of behavior. Hear me, this is not political. I can give two cents about politics. I really can, I don't care. Right, this is biblical. This is the kingdom. These spirits, again, are robbing our children of their innocence and their identity. And what's happening right now in our country and church, we have to step up to the platform. We've got to be the tip of the spear on this. We have to. I'm not talking grab your pitchforks and your lanterns, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. Protests never solve anything. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about kingdom advancement. What are you going to do? See, the problem is, I think, personally, myself, now this is just my opinion, is that the church has become weak in their power. Become weak. Where we want to fantasize and have these ideologies and we want to have this theology without power. The last time I read in your Bible, it says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it's a matter of power.
It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Romans chapter 1, 24, this is what's happening in our country. Therefore, God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That's Romans chapter 1, 24 through 27. Church, just hear me as your pastor. We're gonna move on from this, okay? There's no condemnation, none, zero. Everyone deserves a chance with Jesus, amen? amen? Everyone deserves an encounter with Jesus and guess who be that person who gives them that encounter? You, me. They will encounter God through you. God has never changed. He's just waiting for you to say yes. He's waiting for me to say yes. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. God's ready. I know people are struggling. I know, I know that this world, look, it breaks my heart more than it gets me angry because I, I, I'm feeling this such compassion over our culture right now. Such compassion over them that, that I'm sitting at the top of the hill that feels like, like Jesus did when he had compassion over Jerusalem and he was knitting his whip. Not, not, not because he was being violent, but because it's just time to clean up the business. You know what I mean? And I'm just going, God, have mercy on our country. Have mercy on these people. Have mercy on us, God. I'm gonna say something really bold. If you are a Christian that is enabling sin, you're just as in the wrong as the sinner. If you agree with that kind of stuff and say, well, you know, we don't really know. No, listen, get right with God. Repent and get it right. Okay, moving on. Love you. I really do. (laughs) I know, I know it's, that man went, right? But I I want you to know that I love you as your pastor as your leader, I, I love you and I, and I appreciate every single one of you. I can tell the summer around here, everyone's ah, just living free, running in the grass, right? And it's, it's so good, I love it all, right? So uh, love comes in a lot of forms, right? And the, and the problem is, is that people think that love is acceptance and it's not. Well, if you don't accept me, then you don't love me. Look, 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 God will always accept you, okay? He will always do. But some point in the word of God, it says, go and sin no more. There comes a point where we have to take up his righteousness as our shield and begin to walk according to the word of God. So Christians, get right. Believers, get right. Believers, get right. He's coming back soon. He's coming back soon. And the Bible says that many are gonna be, many are gonna fall away in these last days. Now, look, that falling away doesn't mean non-believers. It means us sitting in these seats. Many are going to fall away. So what do we have to do? We have to focus on Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Holy Ghost is here, guys. Listen, he's calling you. He's calling you to a deeper intimacy. He's calling you to a deeper place right now with him. He's calling you right now. Will you say yes? Will you say, yes, take me, Jesus. I want to focus on you.
You guys feel that? (laughs) I'm reminded of a video that I won't talk about. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 10. The title of my message today is, what is it, Levi? (laughs) Don't forsake the meeting. Thanks, man. I had to tell him this morning. I actually forgot. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Look it up in your Bible real quick. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25. I can crank this out in 20 minutes. You guys with me? Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. It'll be on the back screen for time's sake. So here it is, here it is what it says. I'm reading out of the ESV, which is the English Standard Version. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, if it wasn't for the blood. What a great song, isn't that? Verse 20. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I hope that's what's happening here this morning. Not neglecting, verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I read a couple of things into that when, when, I, when, when I read that verse. I, I read that people are going to stop meeting together as the day is drawing near. And what's happening right here in this verse here, he's saying, they're saying, look, don't neglect meeting together as the day is drawing near. Okay, because there is a battle right now amongst the spiritual flows, right, in this thing called church, in the body of Christ and Christians. Some people say, well, I don't have to go to church. Some people say, well, I am the church. Some people say all these kinds of things. Well, clearly the book of Hebrews is saying, look, as the day is drawing near, make sure that you don't neglect meeting with one another, Why? Because you strengthen yourself, you encourage yourself, you equip the saints, you equip other people to be in relationship with God. That's what happens. David Wilkerson, anybody know who David Wilkerson is? Okay, David Wilkerson said this. He said, where you attend church and the teaching that has your heart is a very serious matter. The mark of a seduced Christian is that he or she is constantly carried by seeking some new and different teaching and experience. I'm talking about running from place to place, church to church, conference to conference, and having no roots, foundation, or spiritual family. Remember that key phrase, spiritual family. He goes on to say, the ears of such people are always itching to hear something new, something sensational, something entertaining, and something pleasing to their flesh. Then he says, these deceived Christians are like the Athenians, I believe is how you say it, in Acts chapter 17, who spent their time on nothing else but either telling or listening for some new thing. David Wilkerson had a conversation with another minister last year. We were sitting at Starbucks, and we were talking about the challenges after COVID. Ugh, COVID. Ugh. What a crazy time that was, right? I'm glad that's all done. You know, I, I thank God. Maybe you weren't quite as blessed um, um, for this, but I never got it. 
I, and I know many people that have. I was around them. They were in my home, <laughs> right? And uh, my wife and I, we just, at least we don't think we got it. We don't know, but we might have. And I'm sorry if you knew somebody who lost their lives during that time. I'll tell you, whatever happened wasn't fair. But we were talking about this pandemic. This was last year sometime. Sitting at Starbucks, you know, that's where all the ministers meet to figure out the world. And <laughs> they ask, what do you do for a living? Well, we do have coffee with other pastors, okay? So, so we're talking about the challenges that we're facing in today's culture because of this pandemic. And we, we started talking about this spirit, this thing called the nomadic spirit or the vagabond spirit. Now, I'm, I'm saying spirit, but I want, I, want, I want you to maybe turn your, your, your thinking on this spirit to a word called, to a word called influence. Okay, because it's not necessarily, when you look in the word of God, you won't see the spirit called the nomadic or the spirit called vagabond. No, but what you'll see is you'll see influences of these kinds of things happening. And that's what's happening in today's Christian culture and world is that there's an influence being woven amongst believers that has this nomadic kind of vagabond influence in their lives. So many people are wondering Wandering, better yet, around without a church home, a spiritual family. Church equals spiritual family. You guys tracking with me? Church equals spiritual family. So many people are wandering around without a church or a spiritual family. They're moving from conference to conference, YouTube channel to revival, deliverance to master classes, and many others who sit online and just call that church. And we have to be careful not to complicate church. Because I personally love all the conferences, the revivals, the, the classes. I attend some of those. And everything that the kingdom has to offer. But let's not forget that real growth, come on somebody, real growth in your life comes when you dig in and you belong. Real growth happens in your life when you dig into a place, into a spiritual family, and you call that spiritual family my family. There's some simple steps about understanding what this means, and I'm going to walk you through maybe the steps of our lives, okay? And you can identify with some of these steps here that we're going to talk about. Number one step is you have a born-again experience. How many of you this morning are saved? You have, you have said you've committed your life to Jesus to say, I am his and he is mine. Amen. It's the best decision that you will ever make. And for those of you who have, scoop and holler right now. Right? It is the best decision. Yeah, come on, somebody. Why? Because if it wasn't for his blood, we'd be nothing. And Nicodemus found this out really easy. He came to Jesus privately and says, I want, I believe that you're the Messiah. And Jesus says that you must be born again. That you must be born again. Step number one, you have a born again experience. It's written. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean, Nicodemus had the same questions. He said, what, what, what do you mean, Jesus? Am I going back into my mother's womb to come back out again? <laughs> Wouldn't that be a sight to see? <laughs> no, thank you. Don't even think about that. Ugh. <laughs> no, Jesus said, you must be born of the Spirit. 
of the spirit, this thing on the inside of you has to be renewed. It has to be given to him. It's got to be connected to Jesus. That makes us born again when we fully engage in a relationship with Jesus, not just simply saying a prayer one time when you raise your hand. But the moment that you come to him, you are born again, and then we walk it out. And we walk it out. Let me tell you that anyone who is not born again as Jesus told Nicodemus, will not see the kingdom of heaven. If you're not born again here today, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. That's probably another controversial thing. Because over 68% of Christians actually believe that Jesus sinned. Oh, can you believe that? This is what happens when churches want to entertain rather than preach the gospel. If you don't know, you're not born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Plain and simple. It's important that you give your heart and commit your life to Jesus. He is the only one who can serve you and bring your life. The second step in a believer's life is you find a spiritual family. What spiritual family again? It's church, right? Church. You find a church. You find a church for sustaining and you find a church for sustaining growth in your life. That's why you and I call this place our spiritual family. Because here you can find growth. Here you can sustain and maintain and be encouraged and equipped for growth in your life. It's important to find a full gospel church. Right? And we think, what's a full gospel? Who has never heard that term before? Full gospel. You can raise your hand. It's okay. It's a full gospel. Full gospel. A full gospel church. Let me, let me tell you what it isn't first. A full gospel church isn't a social justice church. Both ways. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about both ways. Look, if the only thing that you're missional about is making sure that everyone knows that abortion is wrong, then you need to get a grip on who Jesus is in your life. I'm not saying that it's bad. Come on, somebody. I'll be the first one to stand up for the unborn. I promise you that. But let me tell you, that isn't Jesus. I, I know you might disagree with that, and that's okay. You can. You have every right to do that. Right, But if it's not Jesus-centered here, then what we're going to do is repel the world away from a king who wants to encounter their lives. That's, that's a good word. But it goes the other way too. I mean, look. Look, full gospel isn't that. It's about him. It's about Jesus. We have to be careful not to take our eyes off of him. The man, a full gospel church is Bible-believing, number one. Believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. Believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. Preaches and models healing, signs, and wonders. Also, models godly marriages and relationships. And the last thing about a full gospel church is this, is that they know that salvation is through only one person, and that's Jesus. If you're connected to something else, 
where that is, they don't preach Jesus, right? Leave, go away from it. Be done with that mess, right? Because as the day is drawing near, what's gonna happen is you're gonna be opening yourself up to deception. Man, I, this is, does anybody get anything? So the third step in this process, number one, we have what? Born again, right? Number two is finding a healthy family. Number three, you build healthy relationships at, in your spiritual family. I'm thankful for River of Life, amen? I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for local church. I'm thankful for the church. Capital C and lowercase. I'm thankful for all of it, right? Church shouldn't be revolved around relationships. However, relationships Genuine relationships are created there. I'm telling you, I'm still friends with some of my church friends that I grew up with. I still call them. And it's like I never left, (laughs) right? Right? Having friends at church is a two-way street. Remember, I talked about this a few weeks ago. You want a friend, learn to be a friend. You want a friend, be a friend. Be the friend that you're wanting to somebody else, right? So this fall... We're going to be launching small group, intentional small groups here at the church. Pastor Mario, Mira's beautiful husband, he's in Chicago right now, but he's going to be uh, our small group's pastor and he's going to be leading that. So if anybody is looking to lead a small group, you just contact him, okay? Because we're going to be looking for leaders here really soon. But these groups are going to meet in homes. They're going to meet in coffee shops. They're gonna meet in this. Why? Because we wanna model very purely what the book of Acts talks about, how they met in each other's homes, and they did that, and I'll get to that in just a minute, right? So in a spiritual family, you build healthy relationships. Number four, this is the tough one, and this one I'm gonna spend a little bit of time on. You honor and are accountable to spiritual authority. This one's the hard one, right? This is the most difficult one. But let me tell you, when done honorably and done in a way where God is honored through it, it is the most beneficial for any believer. Okay? Now, instead of talking about being under and, and all this kind of, we're going to talk about just being accountable to spiritual leadership. Okay? A lot of people have a really difficult time because right now, submission is not, like not one of the key words that our country is really going after. Right? But I don't care because this right here is counterculture. Right? This is the only thing that matters because it is the truth in God's word. And this word in your Bible says that it's important that we learn to come under people, to be submitted to one another, okay? To be held accountable to one another. And when you are not part of a spiritual family and you dig in, right, and you start putting roots down in the ground in your church, right, when you don't have that and when you don't do that, when you don't come and when you don't participate, when we don't get all the things that we're supposed to do and we don't dig in, what happens is, is we become lone rangers and before you know it, we get tossed and thrown by the wind of doctrine that's out there for everything and we become these people who are going from conference to conference, revival to revival, to this, to that, to this, to that. And we think that that's what it is to have church. I want you to know that that's not. Find a family, dig in, learn to love one another even though you disagree. It's okay. (laughs) Disagreement doesn't mean lack of love. It means that we get to strengthen a bond that we would never have if we're not committed to one another. See, what happens when we're accountable to one another is we have the privilege and the opportunity 
to express the kingdom best when we're under this, when we're held accountable to one another. What happens is we, in return, when we come under spiritual authority, we have the opportunity to grow in the fruit of the spirit when we're held accountable, which leads to maturity. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? It leads to maturity, right? No more of this, no more of this childish Christianity, right? It's about growing and maturing and loving God and worshiping him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength with everything you got, right? And you do that best when you come under. I'll tell you this, you won't find a strong, healthy believer that is not accountable to spiritual leadership in some way, shape, or form. They don't exist. Oh, they might look strong, okay? But what really happens is they're looking for uniformity, not unity in the church. They really want everyone to be like them. And they really are very so uh, wounded that they just want everyone to follow them. Follow me, follow me, follow me, because that makes them feel good. Listen, God wants to eradicate that from the body of Christ and say, dig in, let's get serious about who he is, and let's be under that. Now, I understand. I know this. I just read an article this last week that kind of rattled me a little bit about spiritual abuse and about church hurt. I know that. I know it exists. And that, be, that comes when the pastor in the leadership of the church wants to build their own kingdom rather than his kingdom. That's when that happens. I'm not interested in growing a large church. I'm interested in growing big people in the kingdom of God. So we better get to stepping and loving God. If you're dealing with something, be accountable. Learn what it means to be in connection. Amen? The last and final one is this. When you find your healthy family and your spiritual family in your church, that also provides an opportunity for you to get equipped to serve, to give, and to lead. Let me say this. When you're not at church, and this is easy because you're all here, okay? So you, you should shout me down on this one, all right? When you're not at church, we miss the opportunity to be ministered by you. It's less about you filling a seat and anything like that. Who cares about that, right? We miss, I miss the opportunity to be ministered by you because you have something very specific and significant in the kingdom of God that needs to be released here at River of Life and when you don't participate in the things that are going on and when we don't take the opportunity to do these things, then what happens is, is that the church misses out on your influence. That's what happens. That's why it's so important to get connected to dig in, to say, this is where I'm going to be planted. This is where I'm going to move into. Why? Because you will find yourself growing, learning, maturing, and then also influencing other people to give, to serve, and to lead. It's the kingdom of God at work. Amen? Amen. The spirit, this influence of the nomad, of a vagabond spirit has robbed the church, has robbed the people of being truly ministered to and ministering to each other as God established the church. And the extraordinary thing about the state of American Christianity is by following these five simple steps, you are either labeled a radical or bound by religion. God doing a new thing apparently destroys New Testament, basic New Testament teachings and practices. 
I know. For some of us, we might go, yeah, but you can think that it's okay. I love you. I promise you the doors of this church will always be opening and welcome to you. They always will be. But as I think about the church, you can play some soft music back there, Jonathan. It's, it's, can someone help him? I don't think I've ever taught you this part. <laughs> Altar call, I think is what it is. The thing about, as I think about the church, and I think about the future, and I think about the trends, what's happening is, is that the wheat and the tares are rising up together. And God is sifting right now the ones who are passionate and the ones who aren't. And your Bible says the only thing that happens with those who are sifted, they can't, they, they, they can't, they can't have the kingdom of God. It doesn't work that way, right? Well, yeah, but you know, no, 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 no. Listen, listen. Surrender your lives to him. Commit yourself to Jesus. And we all need to do that. Let his love, come on somebody, let his love draw you to himself. Let me encourage you from the book of Acts till now, the word of God hasn't changed on this issue. Hasn't changed. Acts chapter two, verse 42. You can follow it on the screen. Acts chapter two, verse 42 and on. It says, and they devoted themselves. So now let me just give a little background here. Where this verse is coming from is they just had an experience in the upper room, okay? Everybody with me? Holy Spirit came suddenly. Thousands of people were won over to Jesus that day. We'll put put it that way. They were influenced by the Holy Spirit to, to believe in him. Peter preached that awesome message. Things are cranking. Things are happening. Things are going on. God just broke out in the city of Jerusalem. That's what happened. God just broke out. And this is where we see Acts chapter 2 ending. And it says, and they devoted themselves, the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple, their spiritual family, together and breaking bread in their homes, fellowship, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They didn't have the flash. And I'm not against any of that stuff, man. Look, obviously, I'm not against any of that stuff. But what I'm saying is, if it doesn't come with purity, we're gonna miss it. We're gonna miss it. And I so appreciate all the different expressions of the kingdom of God online and around the world. But as a Christian, we need to find a spiritual family and follow steps three through five. 
which is healthy relationships, honor and be accountable from spiritual authority and learn how to be equipped to serve, give and lead. It's really not that complex as we're making it. It's not that complex as we're making it. So yes, yes, let me answer your questions. Yes, you can visit and be a part of the millions of conferences, e-courses, revival services, and YouTube channels that are available in the body of Christ. But none, capital, none of these replace your need for one church family that you eat at their table every week, serve in, and church leaders who you walk in relationship with that can vouch for your family and your marriage. So let me encourage you, be aware of the nomadic, vagabond spirit. It's demonic and fueled by rejection, rebellion, and false reformation. (sighs) There. Did you like that? I appreciate that, but here's the thing. As your pastor, when we come into this church, into this house, for those of you who are belong and you're here and you say, this is my church home, this is my family. When we come in, we should ride out the chute, man, right out the gate, come ready to worship, to lift up the name of Jesus. Not always having to be drug in here because of what happened during the week. I understand that things happen during the week. I'm not dogging that. But what I'm saying is this, is if we come ready, if we come aligned, if we come ready to be passionate after him, we will see the things that we've been believing for, praying for, and especially since we've been seeing these things. Let me tell you, some of the people that have been praying in this church for a while now have been seeing people coming from all over the place into this house coming and getting saved, I want you to know that today, if you're not a believer here today, or if you walked away from the faith and you've, you started going around your own way, if you've done that, today is the day for you to come to Jesus because he loves you. Don't wait. Don't sleep on this. Sorry, I got my hat on. I'm talking a little gangster this morning. Don't do it. Come to him. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat this and make this look better than what it is because I can't exaggerate the goodness of God. I can't exaggerate his love. I can only invite you. So Father, in Jesus' name, I honor you today because you are good. Always good. Every head bow and eye closed. Let's start here with the born again experience. If you're here this morning, I don't care what your spouse is doing. I don't care what the friend who brought you is doing. This isn't about them. It's about you. It's about you. His love is inviting you to himself. Because outside of that, you will never find life. You may think you might have it, but you really don't. It's called false reality. Because with him, with him, everything is made complete. And if you're here this morning and you don't know who Jesus is, or maybe you have at one time prayed, but you know, you know 
know in your heart that you haven't really been following him. I just want you to simply raise your hand real quick, slip it up, put it right back down. Is anybody here this morning that says, that's me? Pastor, pray for me. Good, there's one, there's two. Anybody else? I see your hands. Thank you so much. Anyone else that says, that's me, man, pray for me. Hallelujah. Amen. If you raise your hand this morning, I want you to know that that takes courage, that takes boldness, and that takes you willing to say, yes, I need Jesus. So if you can here this morning, especially if you raise your hand, but I would like everyone to participate in this moment. If that's you, today we're going to fall in the step number one, which is coming back to him, being born again. If that's you, and if it's, has, if it's not you, everyone in this place, just repeat this after me. Say, Jesus, if you really raise your hand and you mean it, say, Jesus, forgive me my sin. I know that I've walked away, but I'm happy that you're here today. So today, I commit my life, everything that I am, everything that I'm not, and everything that I want to be is all yours right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate. Amen. I'm going to have Reggie come stand right over here. And when I release everyone, if you raise your hand, I want you to come and talk to Reggie real quick. Okay, he's going to pray with you. He's going to talk with you a little bit about what the next steps are and what's happening. So everyone come meet with Reggie if you raise your hand, okay? But if you can, please all stand. I'm going to ask Pastor Steve to come and close for us. I love you guys so much with all my heart. Okay, you're amazing.